0: We're going to do a little bit of a review to catch us up. I hope you enjoyed the Katinas last week, standing room only. Um, I think the entire island of Samoa was here. Um, So thankful for their ministry. But as a matter of brief review, let's dig back into what we're studying. You see, the Holy Spirit has let us know in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, that the just shall live by faith. Now, let me explain what that means. Those that are in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ will need faith in this life. We will need faith in this life. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus doesn't hide the truth. He made it very clear there's going to be trials. He made it very clear there's going to be tribulation. The rain will fall on the just and the unjust, and the sun will shine on the just and the unjust. In fact, when you look back at your life, 50% will be rainy, 50% will be sunny. It's just the reality of life. And he told us, even, that if you decide to live this Christian life and be godly, you will be rewarded with persecution. Let the church say, put that on a plaque. You will be reviled For his name's sake. The word reviled, it even has like a flavor to it. Reviled. For his name's sake. Now this is not a popular message. This message was not going to get me famous. I, I have no desire for fame. I've always said I'd rather be an unpopular prophet than a famous pastor. And let me explain something. This is not a message of the 21st century, but it is the reality of our faith. In order to make it through... We are going to need faith in order to endure. We will need faith. He even tells them that we have need of endurance in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36. He tells them we are not those who quit. Christians don't give up in the middle of the race because we have faith then in chapter 11, verse 1, if you remember, he lets us know faith is the substance of things hoped for. Our faith has substance. And let me tell you what the substance of our faith is. God's word. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. You see, when God says something, we can trust that even if we don't see it come to pass in our lifetime, because God said it, it will come to pass. He doesn't say anything that he doesn't mean. Because faith is living in the absolute confidence that what God has said will come to pass. Can I tell you something God has said? Jesus is coming for his church. How many of you think that would be a great Christmas gift from heaven? Like right now, we just get raptured. Christmas in heaven. Just think, singing joy to the world, looking at Jesus. I mean, just think, what child is this? And you're looking at the grown God man Jesus. I mean, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? See, our faith has substance, it's the evidence of things not seen. This word, evidence, it's a conviction. Like, it's a conviction in our heart, in our life. We trust that even if we don't see it happen in our lifetime, our conviction lies in God's word, not our experience and not our feelings. That's our faith. We believe that if God has told us that Jesus is coming back, it's going to come to pass. It's our conviction to simply play the part that he's asked us to to play. This kind of faith we learned with Enoch, this kind of faith pleases God. You see, what the writer is going to do throughout all of Hebrews chapter 11, he's going to call 17 witnesses to the stand. 17 people of faith that did it. Because what the writer is trying to do, what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, is show how a human being was able to endure this life because of their faith. So we learned of Abel. Let me tell you something about Abel. Abel was killed for doing what God told him to do. Let the church say, do you really mean that? (laughs) Abel was killed for doing what God told him to do. His life was taken from him for doing what was right. Now, some of us have a problem with that. We talked about the very fact the problem is our perspective of death. You see, if we're living for the material, death cuts us off from what we find important. But if we're living for the spiritual, death is just a butler that ushers us to heaven. And the writer is purposing to help us see... That people have been dying for their faith for a long time because they were dying in the Roman gladiators' arena. And he's letting them know since righteous Abel, people have died for their faith. But Abel's life, take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says, Abel's life, though he's being dead, still speaks. Nobody can take Abel's testimony away from him. They may kill him, but they can't take away the fact that he was a righteous man and we will know Abel as a man that followed God for all of eternity. How many of you want that reputation? But how many of us are willing to lay our lives down for it? We're all called to. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead already, yet now I live. We learned about Enoch. You remember Enoch? Enoch was raptured up with God. He had a faith that pleased God. He walked with God for 365 years. His name means dedicated. He was dedicated in a godless world to be constantly connected and have consistent communion with God. In his life, reveals that no matter long we suffer in this godless world, the way to make it through is by faith, by dedicating our life to God. But can I tell you, Enoch was not the supernatural guy. He was a normal guy. He was a husband. He had a wife. He had children. And he walked with God for 365 years, and God is only us asking us to walk maybe 90. And if Enoch could do it, so can you. Now tonight, take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, one of my favorites, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah. Now, once again, the writer is assuming that we are well aware of Noah's story. But what I want to do is kind of take us on a little journey from Genesis chapter 5 through Genesis chapter 9. Now, don't turn there. We're not going to go through it in detail. I just want to give you an up-to-date to let you know what the writer is assuming that we're aware of in discussing Noah. You see, this time the Bible lets us know that God was grieved by everyone in the world but Noah. He was grieved with everyone in the world but Noah. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 that people were corrupt and filled with violence. Now, Just imagine walking those streets always wondering about crime, always wondering about being murdered, always wondering about being assaulted. You've got to imagine in this world, it was filled with violence. It had to be filled with fear, and it had to be filled with anxiety. This was the lifestyle of those living in Noah's time bible goes on to say that the wickedness of the earth was unheard of and it was unprecedented people were doing wicked things now let me tell you something gang i lived through a war i lived through a war and there's one thing i know about evil it does not stay stagnant it gets worse and worse and worse and worse And if one rebel did this, the other rebel had to do something even worse to the victim. And then the other rebel had to do something even worse because evil does not remain stagnant. Evil grows and grows and grows. In fact, the Bible says of this day that every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually, all they could think of was evil. People were longing for anything and everything that was anti-God. They wanted to do nothing but satisfy their flesh. If you think Amsterdam is bad, you should have been walking the streets of Noah's day. If you think LA is corrupt, if you think that any major city that you can think of has some issues, you have never been walking the streets of Noah's day. In fact, it was so evil, demons took advantage of the rampant evil on earth, and they became monumental men. They transformed into men, and they lured women, little PG-13, they lured women into the bedroom, and these women gave birth to superhero kind of men. The Bible calls them Nephilim. 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 Now, that's a whole Bible study in itself. Many theologians believe it was during this period that Greek mythology emerged. Zeus and Hercules and Hermes and Venus, these supernatural human beings that had muscles that were out to hear. And that's what you always see with these Greek gods. They believed that it was from these superhuman kind of heroes that Greek mythology emerged. This was the evil. Demons were running around on the earth pretending to be humans. This was a radical kind of world. But the Bible says something about Noah. In comparison to the evil of the world, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Don't you want that to be said of you? Like when God is looking in L.A., he looks at you and goes, but I found grace with this one. But I found grace with that one. But I found grace with this one. We need to understand, why did the Lord find grace with Noah? You see, God was going to destroy the world he made except for one man and his family. This means, when Noah found grace, that Noah was the only one in the world who was following God, and if he could do it, so can you. There was no other believers. Everyone in the world was evil beyond imagination. Noah was the only one in the world that was following God. And this was important to the first century Jew. You see, these believers needed to be encouraged. They were facing the Roman gladiator arenas. They felt alone, like they were the only human being in the world. They were discouraged. In fact, the Bible told us in Hebrews 10, their goods had been plundered. Some of them had even been thrown into jail. Their families had rejected them. They felt all alone, and their employers had fired them because they refused to give the Augustan, uh, the cult of Augustus. They refused to give the Augustan coin because it meant that you had to worship in the Augustan temple. And they refused. So their employers, their guilds, Fire them. Truly Jesus, when he said that the laborers were few, they were feeling the reality of those words. And Noah could say to them, I understand. I know what it's like to feel like you are the only believer in the whole world. Now, how many of us feel like we're the only Christian at work, We're the only Christian in our school. We're the only Christian in our community. We're the only Christian in our college. You see, Noah's life, uh, it encourages us as well. And while the entire world, the entire county of LA, the entire state of California may be an unbelieving place, Noah, in the midst of that, chose to walk with God. And if Noah can do it, so can you. If Noah can do it, so can you. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at three things about Noah. And we're going to call this Noah's noble navigation. Get it? Ark, navigation. Noah's noble navigation. And I want you to write it down. The first one is this. Noah was upright in an upside-down world. Take a look if you would. It's Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now this word, just and perfect, it's a word that helps, I want to help you understand. It's a word that means unblemished. Noah was blameless. Noah was upright, though the world was upside down. Now to be upright means that you're making more decisions that honor God than ones that dishonor God. That's upright. It means that your heart longs more for the things of God than for the things of the world. And Noah, Noah was upright. He was making more decisions for God than he was against God. His heart was for the things of God than it was for the violence in the world. You see, That was Noah's heart. So much so that even God gives Noah credit in Ezekiel. Take a look. It's Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14. This is God speaking about Noah. And I hope all of us want God to say this about us. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. Now he's speaking against the Israelites and their sin. And he says this. Even if these guys, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. Don't you want God to use you as an example in heaven, as someone who does right things? The whole world knows what God thinks about Noah, that he was an upright, righteous man. Now, where Noah was upright, the world was upside down. They thought right was wrong and wrong was right. They were confused. They thought Noah was dumb for what he was doing. I mean, he built a boat and they thought they were smart. I'll never forget when we adopted our son. He was nine years old and he had been a child soldier since the age of five years old. He had been fighting five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Five years he was fighting in a war. When we adopted him... His right was wrong, and his wrong was right. In fact, he was playing hide-and-seek with the neighborhood kids. Andrea's sitting right there. Hide-and-seek with the neighborhood kids. One of the girls that was playing hide-and-seek, she cheated. So you know what he did? He beat her. He beat her so bad, the entire neighborhood came to Andre and I's house and told us, First of all, our son comes running inside the house. And we're like, what happened? The next thing we know, 30 of our community is standing out front of our front door. And Andrea is standing there. Little 105-pound Andrea is standing right there. And they say, bring your son out. We're going to kill him. And Andrea looks. She goes, you'll kill me first. But you ain't killing my son. His right was wrong. And his wrong was right. Now, let me tell you. He's no longer like that, okay? He's now a deacon at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Like, he loves Jesus. He has been redeemed. His life is totally different. Now, let me explain something. But when we first brought him in, his world was upside down. He thought he did the right thing. Um, so, I do love surfing. And I'll never forget one day I was out on a very big day. And I dropped in on this wave. Now, for those of you who don't know surfer lingo, I basically caught the wave. And I'm dropping in on this wave. And unfortunately for me, it began to close out. That means that it was falling on top of me. And it caught the tail of my board. It literally had a hand. It grabbed my board, it pulled me and my board, and I did something where they call go over the falls. Now, let me explain what that means. I got sucked up into the wave, and then it spit me out, and tons of water dropped on me. I didn't know up, I didn't know down, I didn't know right, I didn't know left. In fact, I started swimming so confused that when I touched the bottom, I realized I was swimming the wrong way. I was upside down, completely confused. The world had gone over the falls in evil. They had no idea the depths of hell that they were reaching to instead of taking the breath of life. But Noah did, and he chose to stand. But I want you to think of the temptations this guy faced. It's kind of like driving down the 405. Have you seen some of the billboards on Forbes? Don't look at them. Maybe I shouldn't even ask the question. But if you're driving down the 405, do you know what they use to sell their product? Sex. Because they know you'll look. Can you imagine growing up in Noah's Day? When the earth is nothing but evil? Think of the temptations that Noah faced. Don't make him not human. The world was corrupt, but Noah stayed clean. He didn't cheat, he didn't bribe, he didn't take the second look, he didn't steal. He never used the culture as excuse and say, "Well, everyone else is wearing that kind of bathing suit. Why can't I wear that kind of bathing suit? You can't even go to the beach these days." And there's some people that just shouldn't be wearing those bathing suits at all. (laughs) I don't even have a Catholic background. But he didn't let the culture corrupt him by using the excuse, everybody else is, it can't be that bad. Noah chose to be salt and light. Let me tell you what else. The world was violent, but Noah was virtuous. Noah turned the other cheek. Noah went the second mile. Noah gave his shirt when they took his coat. He didn't allow the culture to corrupt his character. He chose to take on the attribute of God instead of go the way of the world. He was kind. He was gentle. When they spit on him, he turned the other cheek. He was hospitable, though he lived in a violent world. And can you imagine walking down first street as Noah's building an ark, how they ridiculed him and how they challenged him? Hey, how you doing, Ralph? Hi, Susan. Oh, there he is, building that ark. God bless you. Just imagine Noah walking through that violence, choosing to be countercultural. Let me tell you why. Because Noah was upright in an upside-down world. Let me tell you something else about Noah. Maybe you write this point down. Number two, listen carefully. Noah walked with God while the world danced with the devil. It's again, Genesis chapter 6, verse 19. Take a look again. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Can you imagine how intense the spiritual warfare must have been for Noah? Demons were walking on the face of the earth and marrying people and having kids. We think we go through spiritual warfare. Imagine shaking the hand of a demon. Think of the spiritual warfare. These demons were being worshipped. These demons were walking around the... S- Listen, if you think our school system is bad, imagine sending your kid with another kid whose name is Diablo. I mean, just imagine growing up with these, this kind of environment. But let me tell you something about these kids. You see, these demons that were walking around on the earth, oh, they were being worshipped because they were strong. They were superhuman. And they were beautiful. Everyone wanted to be like them. Everyone wanted to be with them. In fact, Paul tells us they were masking around us angels of light. didn't matter how corrupt they were didn't matter how violent they were. It didn't matter how many divorces they had. It didn't matter what they did. It didn't matter if they did drugs. It didn't matter if they have addictions. They're strong and they're beautiful. They were on the cover of every magazine. They were the reps for every major brand. And everybody bought Nike because he wore it. He's strong. He's handsome. So we got to follow him. Imagine Noah. Because Noah didn't choose that lifestyle. He wore clothes from Walmart. You notice the strong and the beautiful never advertised for Walmart? Noah did not choose the lifestyle of the demonic and the devious. He found his value in walking with God instead of dancing with the devil. He didn't play around with the devil. He chose to look up instead of being upside down. He chose the narrow and the difficult path instead of the broad road that leads to destruction. Remember, that's a Jesus verse. Take a look. I told you, you weren't going to like this Bible study. I warned you. Somebody got up and left when I said it. I, got, I, I, I blessed them. Listen, Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it. Because narrow is the gate. Here it is. This is not 21st century friendly Jesus. And difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few. And I believe you're sitting right here at this church. There are few who find it. Our world doesn't like the word Difficult. That word is a naughty word. Nothing should be difficult. If it's difficult, it's not Jesus. I mean, I should feel the wind in my sails. Everything should go right. It's like, Rimi, Rami, Rimi, Rami, Jesus. (laughs) And as long as I feel Jesus, and I'm happy, and I'm peaceful, and everything's good, it's like, (laughs) Whoville? Unfortunately, every world has a grinch in it. every world. Jesus makes it very clear it's going to be difficult. So can we just talk about some practicalities for just a minute? Do you think building the ark was easy? Think of what God asked Noah to do. Building the ark was difficult. You see, God was very detailed with the kind of material, the kind of structure, and the size. The huganimous size, that's not even a word, but I think you understand what I'm saying. I mean, this boat was enormous, and he built it on dry ground with no water anywhere in sight, whether a desert or forest, I have no idea. He built a boat. Do you know what it was like? Have you ever picked up a log? Have you ever carried it for at least 50 yards, much less 100 yards or a mile? Do you have any idea? This boat was 30 stories high. This boat, you can go visit a replica of it in Kentucky. It goes for, I think, 300 yards. You carry the wood. You get the tar to paint everything. You build the decks. You get the food. This was 120 years of hard work. 120 years it took to build this boat. That's quite a commitment. The same old thing day after day after day. We read it in one chapter, Genesis chapter 6. We read in one chapter. How exciting it must have been for Noah to hear from God. Oh, and then the rain started. And in one chapter, we got a boat built and rain started. Do you realize in the context of that chapter is 120 years of being faithfully doing the same thing day after day, doing what God asked him to do. You see, the writer is using Noah to encourage them and to encourage us to walk with God and just do what he's saying to do. Now, just imagine while he's building the boat, not only hauling those logs, getting that pitch and doing all of that, not only that was a challenge, imagine meeting some of the community in the forest as you're chopping down the wood. Hey, no, what you doing? Uh, Building a boat. A what? Never heard of a boat. Um, It floats on the water. Um, There's no water anywhere around, Noah. Oh, there is going to be water. Uh, It's going to... um, What's the word God used? What's the word? Uh, Ray, ray, rain. God told me it's going to rain. Excuse me? Um, We've never heard that word before. No, no, God told me it's going to rain. Can you stop for just a moment? Demons are walking around the earth. Think of the spiritual warfare that Noah's going through. Noah, you are a fool. Think of the discouragement. What in the Noah? You're ridiculous. You're a cult leader telling people that the world is going to end. It's not going to end. We're giving up. My child's getting married in six months. (laughs) Let me tell you something. The world's not going to end. Mike, I'm getting ready to have a grandchild. I mean, the world is, Noah, you are absolute, Noah, you're so dumb. Think of how he was ridiculed going to the food store. Think of how, when he went to CVS, because he hit his thumb, okay? He goes on up to CVS, he hits his thumb, he's got to go get a bandaid. Oh, Noah, you're building your boat? Is that how you hurt your thumb? Think when he went to In-N-Out. Okay, everyone knew Everyone knew. So he goes up to In-N-Out, goes to a little drive through I don't know if there was In-N-Out. I'm sure there wasn't. But he goes to the drive through and the lady goes, Oh, it's Noah. It's on us, Noah. <laughs> so dumb. The world was violent. Think of the threats on his life. Noah, if you tell us one more time that the world's going to end, we're going to kill you. But what did Noah do? He kept on building for 120 years. If Noah can do it, so can you. Number three, maybe you'll write it down. Noah took God seriously while the world ignored God sincerely. It's Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Take a look. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Don't you want that to be written on your tombstone? Thus, put your name there, did everything that God told them to do. What a verse. What a testimony. And can I remind you of something? Noah had no concept of rain. No concept of rain. But he trusted God. Go look with me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Take a look, Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Noah had never seen rain. He'd never felt its coolness. He'd never experienced its impact. That's why God had to give him a rainbow after the rain. Can you imagine when the second rainstorm came? Noah would have ran back to the ark had he not seen the rainbow Because he'd never experienced rain. And his only experience with rain was absolute destruction. That's why God gave him a promise. You know what I love about Noah? Though he had no idea what rain was, he didn't ask God to explain to him, now what's rain? And why are you doing this? And I'm not going to do anything until you tell me why. Until you explain this, I'm not going to move forward. Not Noah. He just built a boat despite the fact that he didn't completely understand what he was going through. Nor could he understand because Noah was operating by faith. It never rained before. He had no idea what he was talking about. But not only did he build a boat, he was also a preacher of righteousness. Take a look and did not spare the ancient world, speaking of God, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, stop here for a minute. Imagine telling others the way of salvation in that world. Now, you think... The street outreach is difficult in L.A. Go to people that they've threatened to kill you. This would be like me asking you to go to Iran, stand in downtown Tehran as a woman, take off your hijab and say, Christ has made me free. You all need Jesus. Islam is wrong and Muhammad is of the devil. What would happen to you? That's the evangelism that Noah was a part of. Imagine being a preacher of righteousness in that world. He used his time in the trial, in the midst of his 120 years of building that boat, despite the violence of the culture, he used his trial to proclaim the good news because God told him to do it. God told put him in that situation. He had a message that no one agreed with. He had a message that the whole world did not accept. He had a message that he didn't even completely understand. But he told everybody, rain's coming. I don't know what it is, but it's coming. Because God told me. And over the course of 120 years, the only people that got saved were his family. Because can I tell you something? Success is not God's priority. Obedience is. Even when you seem to have failed, but God has asked you to do it, it's better that you do it and fail than pray for success. You see, I'm sure there are many things we don't understand about God's word. But we've got a job to do. We've got to tell the world it's coming to an end. But there's hope There's a way of salvation. And while ours is not an ark, ours is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we've got to remember, the world that he was sent to be a preacher of righteousness was a violent world. It was a corrupt world. The Bible says it was a wicked world. And despite Noah's fear, he remained faithful. Despite the persecution, Noah persevered for 120 years. Despite the reviling. Noah rejoiced when he put his foot on dry ground. And despite being bullied, he boldly bellowed the way to be saved. And after all of that, God says, go into the ark. And it started to rain. Now, I know in California we like the rain. But imagine... The sky gets dark. The wind picks up. And you've never experienced a meteorological event like this ever. You're walking in the ark. And you're knowing. You're looking at this thing. I hope this thing holds up. (laughs) You go inside. and God shuts the door. Then all of a sudden you hear this? Never heard that before. And then all of a sudden, you hear people banging on the side of the wood. Noah! Noah! And after some time, you don't hear people anymore because it's pouring down rain. The ark starts to move. It's no longer on dry ground. And all of a sudden, a wave crashes up against the ark, and the whole ark goes to the side. You're not in the ark singing, Kumbaya, joy to the Lord, he's come. You're in the ark going, What in the world is happening? You're hearing the clamoring of thunder. You're seeing through the cracks of the wood for the very first time lightning. You're hearing the rain pounding. This was a first for everyone in 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 that boat. And I'm wondering if Noah's going, all of this work, and now I'm going to die? Sorry. Have you ever been seasick before? When you are seasick, you want them to throw you in the ocean because it's the most miserable thing in the world. It never goes away because the water keeps moving. They're all throwing up in the boat. Noah, his sons, and the wives. They've never experienced this before. I'll never forget. My daughter, Selah, and I were flying back to the Bahamas. We were living there, and we were flying back to get back before there was a hurricane, and we could see the dark clouds coming. So we were like this on this little puddle jumper going um, uh, back to the Bahamas. So we're sitting next to this woman, and Selah looks at me at five years old, and she looks at this woman. The woman turns green. Sailor screams in a little passenger, 18 passenger plane Watch out, everybody! She's gonna blow! <laughs> and she sprayed everyone in that 18 passenger plane with her airsickness. You ever been there? Noah goes, I understand. Because when that ark lifted off of the face of the earth, they had never experienced it before. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he did what God told him to do. He moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He had no idea about rain by which he condemned the world and he became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah's faith condemned the world because his faith revealed their unbelief. He trusted that if God said it was going to rain, it was going to rain, even though we didn't know what it meant. And the world ignored God's warning because they couldn't explain it. They chose not to live by faith. But Noah received the reward of his faith. He became the heir of righteousness according to his faith. And in other words, he got the promise. His family was saved. After 120 years of toiling on this boat, he received his inheritance, his salvation. But God took that 120 years, not only for Noah to preach to the world and to save his family, but God took the heartache of those years to prepare Noah for the nightmare of the flood. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering, speaking of God, waited in the days of Noah. He waited 120 years. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved. They received their inheritance. They were saved Water. You know why God waited? Because God so loves the world. And you know why He hasn't raptured His church and come back the second time? Because He still loves the world. And He wants to seek and to save the lost. But that was not all that God was doing. God knew that the flood was going to be a nightmare for Noah and His family. So God took 120 years of building that ark to build Noah to become the man of God he needed to be to make it through the nightmare that only God knew that Noah was going to go through. And is it possible that whatever God has asked you to go through, he's simply making you stronger for what he knows lies ahead? And can we be like Noah and take his word seriously despite what we're going through? Because he's actually preparing you for salvation. Church, the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us. He wants to encourage us. You see, it was just as difficult for Noah as it is for us. And he did it. And so can you. I want to close by taking you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Take a look what the Apostle Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll pick it up there in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll pick it up there in verse 7. This is not a verse that you give someone for a Christmas gift. But it is the reality of our faith. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel. We've got the gospel within us that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us make it through. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't understand, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we ain't forsaken. We are struck down. But we ain't destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And what Paul is saying, no matter what I go through, I will trust God to display Jesus to the world. Because maybe, God's preparing us. It's Matthew chapter 24. You'll see it on the screen. But as the days of Noah were, violent, corrupt, and wicked. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? But as in the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And didn't know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the coming of the Son of Man be. Is it possible? that we're living in those days and what you're looking at as a trial is God's 120 years of simply preparing you to be able to make it through and endure by faith. Are you building your ark? Are you doing what God asked you to do even if you have no idea what rain is? deal with this all the time god speaks to someone and says go to the middle east and be a missionary well you know i've got a family i've got this i got a job i got hey I, I want you to go to your neighbor and just give him an apple pie and tell them about me oh i don't know they're so mean and angry all the time i don't think i can do it <laughs> thank god noah didn't come up with excuses his family would have died That's how serious it is for us to do what God's asked us to do. Jesus, thank you so much for this precious word. By faith, Noah, he did it. And it encourages us that we can do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message.